God bless you. You can be seated for just a few moments before I get to preaching this morning. I've got a couple things that I want to do. As Pastor Joel was talking about how blessed we are to have such a, a diverse church, people from all tribes and nations. Um, some of you know uh, our children's pastors at Bethalto, dear friends of ours, uh, are Jamaicans. And Jamaica, I think we got a couple Jamaicans in the house today. And uh, it was their 60th Independence Day, I, I know. And so I want to say congratulations to them. And uh, I love me some Jamaicans. We got some good ones here. Oh, we got three this morning. Come on, if you're from Jamaica. Come on, I know y'all ain't ashamed of it. Let's see you. Dear friends of ours, Desmond and Keisha Wellington, our children's pastors at Bethalto, they're Jamaicans, and we love them so much. And I saw them posting this week and thankful for that. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we've got an international flair here at Starkville Church of God. We got all colors and creeds and nations because that's how it's going to be when we get to heaven. It don't matter uh, where you're from. All that matters is that you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for a great ministry. I try my best. Uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, in doing so much. I try my best to continue to keep you updated on ministries that we as a church support and that many of you individually also support as well. And most of you are familiar uh, with uh, Pastor Jeremy and Jennifer Smith and uh, the recovery centers that they run. Beauty for Ashes is the women's side of that. And uh, last year, uh, they uh, came, and this is, many of y'all are familiar here in Starkville, it's turnover uh, weeks here, and apartments are being cleaned. And last year they came, and they were with us last year, and I'm so thankful that again this year, We've got a group of Beauty from Ashes ladies that are here with us. They've been working this week. Amen. And they're about to head home after church, and then there's another group that's coming in, and they're able to do that and help support the ministry that's going on there. But I asked when Pastor Jeremy texted me and said that there would be a group here this morning, I said, I want you, if you got one that, you know, you feel like they could come and share a brief testimony just to keep you updated with what's going on, he said, yes. So, Reagan, I want you to come on. This is Reagan Herring. Come on. Let her know. We appreciate her. <laughs> so, Reagan's going to share a little bit of testimony with you this morning. He has a sense of humor. And he would say that if you couldn't feel the spirit of the living God in that worship service, your feeler might be broke. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to try not to cry, y'all. This is only my second time ever doing this, so I might cry. Okay. My name is Reagan Herring. I'm 30 years old, and I'm from Monticello, Mississippi. I was born into an addicted atmosphere. My mother was only 16 when she gave birth to my older brother, and only one year and 23 days later, there was me. My dad was almost 10 years older than my mom, and he immediately introduced her to hard drugs. I don't have a single memory of my parents being together, and that's probably because my maternal grandmother took my brother and I from them before I was old enough to have memories. Due to the fact that my parents were never around, the enemy took that opportunity to begin whispering lies into my ear. The lies of you're not enough, even your parents don't love you, nobody wants you, 
they don't love you enough to stop doing drugs. Those lies took deep root into the very fiber of who I was. And that's where the chaos began. Looking back now, I can see that my grandparents did the very best they could with what they had. However, growing up, I didn't see it that way. My papa worked 28 and 28 on an offshore rig, Transocean. So most of the time, it was my brother, me, and my grandmother. The 28 days that my papa was home, he tried his best. He taught me how to fish, hunt, and do a little mechanic work. My grandmother was very depressed and also addicted to heavy prescription medication. She never got out of the bed, ever. We had zero structure. My papa was gone so much that he really couldn't do anything to create a healthy home life. Like I said earlier, I don't remember anything about my parents being together, but my brother does. And the things that he remembers are horrific. I won't go into these details because that's not my story to tell. But these things opened a major door for the enemy in my brother's life. My brother has always been very angry, very dark. He began self-mutilation at the age of seven. Not for attention, like some kids, but serious self-mutilation. I had to call an ambulance more times than not. Because of the things going on with him, all of the love, energy, and effort that my grandmother could muster up inside of her went to him. He was very troubled and very abusive to me. Violence and chaos flooded my life each and every day. My grandparents became very fearful of my brother the older that he got because he was so violent and out of control. Because of that, he never got in trouble. Everything was always my fault, no matter how many, much he made me bleed or how many bones he broke. Again, the enemy took this as an opportunity to whisper more lies into my ear. Lies like you're always wrong. Nobody cares if you're hurt. Nobody loves you enough to protect you. You're always the problem. As I got big enough to fight back, I did just that. I learned to fight. I lived in such fear at home that the minute I got outside of there, I instilled fear in every person that I could. I began bullying people at school, fighting multiple times a week, and most of the time I was fighting boys. I quickly caught the eye of a young gang member who introduced me to drugs at the age of 13. I started sneaking out, unnoticed of course, and soon he introduced me to his group of friends, Simon City Royals, and I fell in love with the fantasy that I finally had a family, someone to protect me, people who cared. They became my world. During school, I was a mess, but I was so good at softball that I never had consequences for my actions. I loved to fight, and I loved violence, and because of my affiliation, people feared me. I loved it. I was finally noticed. It didn't matter if it was for anything that was bad. People finally paid attention to me. It didn't matter that it was bad attention. I ended up getting expelled for threatening the principal's niece, lost my opportunity at a full-ride scholarship to softball, and when this happened, I became out of control. I got pregnant a month later and gave birth to Alexis 10 days before my 17th birthday. And when I was 19, my mom died. I was six months pregnant with Amara, my second daughter. She was never really a mother, more like an annoying drunk big sister. The only time she came around was when it was convenient. Beginning at age 12, when she was too high to drive and needed to get more drugs. So I would drive her back and forth from ATM to get drugs and wouldn't get home until right before it was time for school. However, two months before she died, she met Jesus. She died at age 38 in her sleep of heart failure. But two months before that, she changed. I finally had a mother. She was different. And after her death, I became very angry at God. I didn't understand. There was no way out for me, it seemed. <clears throat> I went deeper 
and deeper into depression and addiction. That was the last straw for me. I no longer cared. All of my fight was gone. The enemy had such a hold on me, but God. Somewhere in this time frame, my dad changed. He was radically saved. He went from being the drug dealer I had known my entire life to a street preacher who was on fire for Jesus. This pushed me away from him, however, but he didn't care. He put his armor on and fought for me. Not physically. This is the part where I always cry. <laughs> Not physically, but the only way that really counts. He was fighting for me spiritually. He was hitting his face every night, crying out to his God to save his daughter. That was when I began to feel this deep tug on my heart. Addiction became no longer fun. I know now that it was God, slowly but surely, whispering into my ear, slowly and softly calling my name, answering the prayers of my dad, canceling all the lies of the enemy. I started going to rehab after rehab, the state hospital, secular and faith-based recovery, six in total, I counted. The longest I had ever stayed in a recovery center was 15 days, but God never gave up on me. In December of 2021, I walked into the door of my seventh rehab. I walked into the door of Beauty from Ashes. I almost ran that very day, but my God intervened. I started crying and asked for prayer, but I wasn't sure why. I knew that I was about to run, but something in me couldn't. As Brittany Layton and Beck began, I cry on this part too. As Brittany Layton and Beck began praying for me while I was laying in Brittany Layton's lap, my hair literally dripping shower water all over her. I realized that she didn't care. She just loved me. Her love caused something in me to break. I met a man named Jesus that day, and I haven't been the same since. I guess the number seven really does mean completion. Since coming to Beauty from Ashes, I felt more love from the staff and Pastor Jeremy Smith than I ever knew existed. These people literally sacrifice everything on a daily basis to help the broken. They are literally fishers of men. I believe, no I know, that me walking into Beauty from Ashes on my own free will was 100% an act of God. Nothing of my own doing, a divine appointment. Through the obedience of every staff member at Beauty From Ashes, God has renewed my mind. He is restoring my children to me and giving me a hope and a future. He has fully restored my relationship with my father, and he is my best friend. For the first time in my entire life, I know who I am. I have a purpose, and I'm glad that I'm alive. I am a new creation. The old has passed away, and all things have been made new. Y'all really should have wore water prisoners today. <laughs> I have a relationship with God, and it's a good one. I walk in righteousness. I hear the voice of God every day. I'm forever grateful for Beauty from Ashes, and I joke all the time and say I'm not leaving until they make me. <laughs> My life is forever changed. Who knew that through people simply loving on Jesus, obeying his commands, and loving on his people without one ounce of judgment, that a Simon City rule could be completely transformed into a redeemed royal priesthood? The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. 
The last thing I want you to know is that I'm aware of the stigma that is attached to addiction. However, Brittany and John Layton, Beck and myself, and many, many others, we were lost, and now we are found. We were blind, and now we see. We were sick and in need of a physician. We touched the hem of his garment, and we were made well. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 through 13, we see a perfect picture of this. The Pharisees questioned what Jesus was doing. So I can imagine that there was a stigma attached to the people that Jesus chose to heal, the captives that he chose to set free. Listen to what Jesus says. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Come as you are. That's what Jesus said. And that's exactly what happens at Beauty from Ashes. They loved me right where I was, but they didn't let me stay there. They guided me. They pushed me, corrected me. I had to write the book of James. <laughs> they poured into me. And they loved me enough to pray for me and pray with me. Lives are being changed at Beauty from Ashes. Generational curses are being broken and names are being registered in heaven. Thank you. Just remain standing, if you will. Thank you so much, Reagan, for sharing that testimony. So I like to do these things to let you know when you give, to Beauty for Ashes, and uh, you give to Voice of Hope as the men's side of it. You see what the Lord is doing. God is able. He's still able to set people free. Amen? God is still able to set people free. If you just remain standing, turn to the book of Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to go this morning. Acts chapter 16. As you're turning there, one more thing I want to say. I'm so so thankful to have with us one of the newest state troopers in Mississippi. David, we're proud of you. Thank God he made it through. He is officially a trooper. So you better pray for him that God would keep him safe. And you better keep it the speed limit when you're out there or he'll pull you over. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. We're going to read through verse 34 this morning. Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 34. I'm going to read from the NIV this morning. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell fasten their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up 
And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. This is our Back to School Sunday. And so I want to speak to you for just a few minutes this morning on the subject of praising in a new school year. I'd ask that you'd stretch your hands this way. Pray for me as I do the same for you. Father, I thank you for today. God, what a day we have had so far. What a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere of praise and worship. Thank you for that. Lord, what a testimony, Lord. Thank you so much for the testimony of how you are still in the business of setting people free. Thank you for Reagan, and thank you for all of these ladies, both here, Lord, back in McGee, Lord, and all, God, that you are doing. Now, Lord, I pray for those under the sound of my voice here today, God, here in the building, listening by podcast, that you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. Let the Word of God fall onto good ground, produce a multiplied harvest. And I ask that you'd help me today. Lord, give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. And God, we thank you for all that you have in store for us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. As you're seated, turn around to two or three people, fist bump them, tell them you are glad to see them at Starkville Church of God this morning. Now, from this title, I know uh, that some, some parents, some parents, and I'm not going to say I've never been there before or not there, some parents, when you talk about praising in a school, new school year, there's some parents that are just shouting that school is starting back. <laughs> but this is a little bit different than that. This is not just the fact that school's back in session. But I believe that there's something very, very important about praise in our lives. We look into the book of Acts and we find a story that's very, very familiar to most of you. If you've been in church very long, you've heard a, you've heard a sermon or two on Paul and Silas. They had been followed around as they were going about doing ministry. They had been followed around by a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit for many days. And this girl made her owners money by telling fortunes of people. And she would follow them around and she would actually shout, the truth. We find that as she was following them around, that she'd follow them and she'd say, these men are servants of the Most High God. And she'd follow them around for days and days. And finally, after a while, Paul became so troubled by it that he couldn't handle it anymore. And he turned around and he cast the devil out of the girl. You see, I believe that there should come a point in time where we are troubled by evil. 
Well, I have, a few of you believe that. I said, there should come a point in time where we're troubled by evil. You know, I know that we live in a world and we have to be around it at times. You know, that's just part of living here. You've heard me say this enough. I don't believe that God has called us to go off in the middle of nowhere and build a compound and try to build some kind of utopia. That's absolutely not correct. We're called to here to be the salt and the light and the witnesses up to this lost and dying world. But there comes a time where evil should trouble us. And she had followed them around long enough that Paul was sick of it and he cast the devil out. I don't know about you, and I know that this is a Sunday morning, but can I just tell you, I still believe that the Bible says that we, as the church of the living God, have power over devils. We still have the authority in the name above every name that the name of Jesus Christ, he said, in my name, you will cast out devils. I know we get a little uncomfortable with that sometimes, especially as Americans. I know Americans, we get a little uncomfortable with that stuff but can I tell you one more time that I believe that the God that I serve has the power has the authority and you if you are a believer you have the power and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to cast out devils after this her owners became angry because they realized that now her ability to tell fortunes and her ability to make them money uh, had, was gone out the window. And so they began to lie on Paul and Silas and had them taken and thrown into prison. And not just thrown into prison, but we read where they were beaten. They were flogged severely. Why were they beaten? Why were they flogged? They were flogged and beaten and imprisoned because of of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ for doing the work of the kingdom. And I can't go much further right now without saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, I continue to wonder, will we be able, as the days grow more and more wicked, as times get more and more tough, would we as born-again believers, will we be willing to stand up in the face of judgment, to stand up in the face of government, to stand up in the face of beating and being jailed and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ, or it is the power of God unto salvation. Would we be willing, would we be ready to be able to stand and say, I don't care if it costs me a beating. I don't care if it costs me going to jail. I will stand on the word of the living God and proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we find a few things in this story, number one, I find that they had two options. They find themselves in jail, they find themselves beaten, they find themselves chained, and they had two options. They could either pout or they could praise. Somebody say pout or praise. <laughs> they had done nothing wrong, but they found themselves in prison. And they could have sat down and pouted about how they didn't deserve what they were going through. They were beaten. They were bloody. Now, we find very clearly here, and we know that in, in the Roman jails of that time, that 
Listen, there was no medical care. You go to jail today and you're hurt. They're going to treat your wounds. They're going to give you medicine. My mama was a nurse in the Chickasaw County Prison for a few years, and she worked there, and they got their medications, and they got it. But listen, you didn't get all that back in jail in these days. There was no treatment. There was none of that. In fact, we find that when at the end of the story where we read where the jailer brought him into his house and he washed their wounds. So until that time, they had been beaten and their wounds were open and their wounds were dirty, no doubt. There was blood and there was dirt and there was filth in their wounds. And so there they were sitting in the inner part of this prison, chained up with criminals for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had two options just like we have two options. Anytime we face anything, they can either pout or they could praise. What do we do when we go through trials? What happens when we find ourselves going through things? Do we stop and just feel sorry for ourselves? Do we pout? Do we whine? Do we complain? What do we do? Can I just tell you, you've got two options today. Whatever you're going through, you can stop and you can poke out your bottom lip and you can whine and you can complain or you've got another option. You've got the option to praise. When things are going bad and things are going wrong, I want to tell you, you can still find something to praise God about. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how terrible it looks. There is always something that you can take time and give God praise for. You see, they decided to not focus on their circumstances, but they decided to focus on their Savior. That's where we go wrong so many times. Instead of focusing on the negative, instead of focusing on the chains, instead of focusing on the stripes on their back, they chose to focus on the Savior. I need somebody to hear me here this morning. You've been focusing on your problem. You've been focusing on your sickness. You've been focusing on your boss. You've been focusing on your co-worker. You've been focusing on your bills, but God sent me by this morning to tell somebody you need to quit focusing on the problems and you need to start focusing on the solution, and the solution is Jesus Christ. I need to dare somebody this morning that the next time you feel like getting down and pouting about all the things that are going wrong, I dare you to just lift your hand and let a praise come forth out of your lips and praise God for how good he's been to you. About midnight, they were tired, beaten, bloody and chained, but they decided to praise. They were locked in this inner cell. Their feet were chained, but their mouths and their hands were free, and they praised however they could. We read this story. We know they were in the inner prison. We know doors were shut, and we know that there were chains on their feet. But their mouth was still free to praise. And as far as we know from this story, their hands were still free to be lifted. Now, they couldn't dance like David or even like Pastor Joel did this morning. They couldn't dance because they were chained. They were chained at their feet and locked in a cell, so they couldn't do a Jericho march like we did two or three weeks ago. They didn't have a piano. They didn't have any drums. They didn't even have an acoustic guitar. But with everything that 
that they had in their possession at that moment. They chose that they were taking what they did have and they were going to use it to praise the God that had been so good to them. I don't know where you'll find yourself at. You may be chained at your feet. You may not be able to dance at the moment. But I'm telling you, if you'll take what you've got, if your mouth will still speak a praise, let your mouth speak a praise. If you can still live, you may be almost out of energy. But if you can at least just get it this high, I'm telling you that if you'll decide instead of pouting to praise Him, it is then and there that you will find that God will deliver you. Secondly, when they praised, it affected their situation. I said when they praised, it affected their situation. I told you they had two choices just like we did, powder praise. And when they decided to praise, it affected their situation. I need you to know today that you have the power to affect the world around you. You have the power through Jesus Christ to affect every single person around you. You can do it with your attitude. Oh, I can preach right there. I wish I had an organ this morning. You can affect the world around you with your attitude, good or bad. You can walk into school tomorrow. You can walk into work tomorrow. You can walk into wherever you're going to, and you can affect the world around you with your attitude. If you're pouting, if you're down, if you're discouraged, and if you just can't seem to get out of the mully grubs, then everybody around you is going to feel that too. I believe that what you speak matters. I'm going to say that one more time. What you speak matters. Now, I want you to hear me today because, because it had been abused for so many years. And, and, and there's some bad theology out there, dominion theology. I, I became a little bit, and I'll say it, I'll, I'll admit, for a while I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. I became afraid of speaking. I thought, well, listen, I'm not, there's so much that's effective. But I've come to, I've, I've, God's brought, brought me back around. And I've come to the place where once again I realize how important it is to speak the things that need to be spoken over situations. I've come back to the place where I realize, I, listen, I'm not a little God. I'm not, but I do believe that the Bible tells me that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And I believe that I can change the atmosphere by my attitude and by my praise. And I believe that it is important. It is important that I speak life over my marriage. I believe that it is important that I speak life and favor over my children. I believe it's important that I speak life and favor over you as a congregation. That God has placed me to shepherd, be the under-shepherd here. I believe that it's important that I speak the things that need to be spoken into every single situation that I find myself in. I believe that. And they had the power to change the atmosphere through what came out of their mouth. And as they were in that situation that couldn't be any worse, it would seem, they decided instead of pouting to praise. And as they praised, the foundation of the prison was shaken, the Bible says. You see, I believe that praise brings chaos to the enemy's kingdom. I believe that the devil does 
don't really know what to do. I think these ladies know it probably better than most of us do. The devil don't know what to think when they get in the well on Sunday nights and they start praising and they start shouting and they start glorifying God. Listen, if y'all ain't never been there, some of y'all's been down there, I'm telling you, you need to get down there sometime. But it's not just them. It's all of us that you can throw the devil into confusion when he thinks he's got you down, when he thinks he's got you defeated, when he still feels like he's got the victory, but you stand up in the midst of it all and say, I'm going to praise God anyhow because he's worthy of my praise. It, feel, it throws hell into complete confusion and it begins to shake the foundations of the prison where they're at. You want to know how to get free. You want to know how to get out of the prison you're in. I tell you, if you begin to praise God, it will shake the foundations of every prison that you are in. It shook the foundations of prisons and the doors flew open. We want God to open doors, but have we been praising Him? That's good. I don't care if I did say it. I'm going to say it again. We want God to open doors, but have we been praising Him? And I listen, I'm not, I'm not criticizing this. I'm all for it. You heard me at the offering. I'm praying. I'm praying for raises, promotions, open doors. But listen, you can't expect for God to honor those requests and honor those prayers if you ain't willing to praise Him. Because if you can't praise Him for your minimum wage job, you're not going to get the six-figure job. If you can't be willing to praise Him while you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, God is not going to open the door for you to go to the boardroom. I'm telling you, but if you will determine in your mind, I am thankful. God, thank you that I can flip these burgers at McDonald's. God, I thank you that I can make just a little something. I thank you for what you've done. But I just continue to ask you that you would open the door for me. And I'm telling you, when you decide to praise God for what you've got, and be thankful for what you have, it is then and there that God will then begin to fling open the doors and give you even more than you thought. We find then as they praise that everyone's chains came off. Prison doors were open. Chains came off. You see, to me, you know, I, I know how it is because I think, because I'm a pastor and I hear people argue all the time about things. Somebody said, well, you know what? Well, that was just a coincidence. That was just an earthquake, and it, it just shook, and it flung the doors open. <laughs> Come on, y'all know. If you've been in this thing long enough, you know that people argue down with you. And, hey, may, maybe I don't believe that, but, hey, maybe you can get that. But what about the chains coming off of their feet? What about chains like, listen, an earthquake's not going to just shake loose. If they couldn't shake it off like that, an earthquake wasn't going to do it. It was an absolute miracle of the Lord. And I just need to remind you today, we still serve a miracle-working God. And God can do the miraculous in your life. Everyone's chains came off. Say that again. Say it with me. Everyone. Everyone's chains came off. It didn't say that just Paul and Silas's chains came off. I hope y'all help me here just a little bit. You see, that's so important, too, because your praise 
not only can help set you free, but it can help set free those around you. You see, it's not just about you. It's about those around. I told you, you affect the people around you. Now, I know we don't have a record, so I'm not going to make anything up. I don't know if the other prisoners got saved or not, but what I can testify, what the Bible does say is what? The jailer got saved. And then it said his family got saved. And then it said before the morning could happen, they went ahead and baptized him in water. Listen, I'm telling you that your praise is sometimes not just about you, but your praise sometimes is about somebody else around you. And when you begin to praise God for where you're at, that God can set you free, but he can set the person beside you free as well. Come on and praise God for somebody else this morning. Come on, if you've got somebody that you know, they need to be set free. You've got a family member that needs God. You've got a friend that needs... I wish somebody just praised God for somebody other than yourself and praise God that He would set them free here today. Hallelujah. Yes, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You could be the turning point in their life. Thirdly and finally, not only did it save them, others were saved. Their praise was a witness. You see, we are witnesses in our workplaces, witnesses at our schools. We are witnesses everywhere we go. Being a witness... It's not just about handing out gospel tracts. It's about your lifestyle and your attitude can be the biggest witness there is. As school is starting back, we're going to pray over our kids before we leave here. They have an opportunity in their schools to be a witness. I know there's college students in here already. More will be coming in in the next few weeks. You have an opportunity to be a witness with your praise and your lifestyle. The Lord moved on me in the last couple of weeks. I told you all this a month or so ago. I'm just going to tell you, the last, the last Sunday of August, unless the Lord just changes my mind, I'm going to preach a message about why I don't drink alcohol. I believe that we have the opportunity to see others' lives changed as well around us. I believe that when we, there, we, ha- we will have a time come that our lifestyle, because of the way we praise and the way we live, open the door to witness. You see, I know I rushed through it just a little bit earlier, but we find that Paul and Silas had lived the lifestyle first. They preached. They proclaimed the gospel. They were jailed. They were chained, beaten, stuck down there in the dungeon. But at midnight, they praised. And then, after they were set free, instead of running out of the jail to save the life of the jailer, 
what happened. Paul said, hold up. We're all here. Don't kill yourself. Don't take your life. We are all still here. And it was at that point, somebody say that point. It was at that point then that they were able to share the gospel with him. Look at that story. Listen, it, it, took, some, it took some lifestyle before they were able to witness, didn't it? It took some praising. It took some serving through, through hard times. It took building a testimony for Christ until finally that led them to the point that they were what able to speak Jesus into his life. And him and his family received it. Can I just tell you, I, you know, I wish I could just walk into a room anywhere and just, and sometimes you can. You can go in and you can preach Jesus and people get saved. But I'm going to tell you, more times than not, you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to live it out. You're going to have to live it out in front of people day after day after day until finally that lifestyle then is going to open the door for your witness and then you can speak the life into them, speak the gospel into them, and then they can be saved. Stand with me, if you will, please, all over the room. We're at the threshold. The new school year. I know that know that some schools have already started. Many schools have. Some schools are yet to start. University is still a couple of weeks from starting. But we're at a threshold. There's something about this time of year that gives us the opportunity. It's almost like a new starting point that we can say, I'm determined that I'm about to change things. As they're getting back up, getting kids back up, going to school, as, as different things are happening now, we have the advantage of right now saying things are going to be different. I'm ready for things to change. And I want to encourage you this morning to determine that you are ready to praise in a new school year. You're ready to praise in this new year that the Lord has blessed you with. I'm going to ask a couple of our guys if they will come and move these altars up here. This is going to take just a little bit of time, but I believe it's important. It's important, and we want to do it this morning. And we've got our kids ready. You'll hold them right there for just a moment. They're going to move these altars up, and they begin to play softly if they will. We're going to pray over these kids. And just because we don't have just an overabundance of room up here, we're going to pray over the kids, and then we're going to pray over teachers, staff, secretaries, anybody else. So go ahead, Jamie, if you will. Go ahead and bring them in. Let's line them up shoulder to shoulder across the front here. Can I just take a moment and just say, aren't you thankful? Even last year, we were still just a little bit in the iffiness of COVID, and I know it's still going around, but it's just kind of sinus mess is what it's turning out to be now. I'm thankful today. Y'all face me. Yeah, y'all face me all the way up against the wall, if you will. We're going to need, I think we'll need, we'll need room. Spread them out shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder right here. 
There you go. Spread on out. Because I'm going to get your parents, your grandparents, whoever else wants to. So y'all y'all spread, spread on out here. Spread on out, shoulder to shoulder. Come on. Yeah, y'all move down this way. I told you it'd take a minute. It's kind of like herding cats sometimes, you know, but it's all right. So here's what I want to do. If you move them down just a little bit more, because we've got some. I want siblings. If we got siblings here, can we get siblings together? I know we got some siblings. I want to get some siblings together here, if we can. Get siblings close to each other. And I want to ask parents, would you come, parents, and just get behind these kids right now? Come on, parents. I want you to come and get behind your kids. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for these kids this morning? I'm so thankful for these kids. I'm thankful for God's hand that's on their life. Now, if we got any grandparents or aunts or uncles or anybody else, uh, I'm just trying to get everybody. I told you I was going to take my time with this. It's not even 12 o'clock yet, but come on. If we got any grandparents or any other family you want to get behind these, come on. Come on. We're going to pray over our college kids in two weeks, but this is our kind of our elementary our up through high school this morning. I want them to come. I want them to find their place. Anybody else that wants to come up here and pray with them? Now, I just need some praying folks now. If you see some, if you there's room up here now. If, you, if you're a Holy Ghost-filled person, you want to come pray for, for these parents and these kids, would you do that now? Just come and take your place behind these, those in your pews right now. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask for the Lord to just touch these kids right now? Kids, would you all just put your hands up in the air? right now come on if you're going to school if you're still in school come on put your hands up in there right now for me because i want to anoint you this morning come on church would you just begin to call out to the lord right now and pray with me we're going to anoint these kids together come on call out on god for them